Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. In the Old Testament book of Zechariah, we are given extraordinary revelations of the New Testament Christ. We see him as the shepherd coming in an intimate and loving way to care for his scattered flock. We also see him being rejected and even crucified for our redemption. But one of the most striking views of Christ in Zechariah is as the coming triumphant warrior to fight against Antichrist, the embodiment of Satan, and to rescue God's people, Israel, from their destiny on this earth, the War of Armageddon. Ron Kangas has joined us. A profound topic, Ron, and one that always has a lot of interest among believers, and we're coming at it today from this Old Testament perspective, aren't we? We are. It is a topic of fascination. But let me say at the outset that generally the reason for the fascination is something that causes many believers to um, miss the main point, and the main point is Christ. The main point is not Antichrist. Mm -hmm. It's not the timing of the Battle of Armageddon. It is not so many outward things, many of them amazing or even grotesque, but the main point is Christ, and it's very easy when believers get into a mode of discussing and actually, as they often do, debating theologies regarding the last things, there is a very real neglect of Christ. The Bible reveals the coming again of Christ. The book of Revelation, which owes much to Zechariah's visions, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And one thing I appreciate about Zechariah's prophecy, and one thing I respect in particular of Brother Lee's ministry on the book of Zechariah, is that the focus is never lost. The focus is not on events. Mm. The focus is not even on prophecies. The focus is on Christ. And I would like to sound this note in the beginning that, in fact, we will look at what Zacharias says concerning the war at Armageddon. And there are some particular details that are in the biblical text. We don't sidestep them. But the main figure in all of this is Christ coming not in meekness this time, but coming in majesty, in power, authority, coming as the warrior, Mm -hmm. and coming as the king to possess the earth. This Christ is coming, and he's coming soon. Whatever soon means, 
in the mind of God. Well, the term Armageddon is not found exactly or precisely in Zechariah. That geographic designation, of course, is found in Revelation 16. What it does say in Zechariah 12, verses 1 through 3, is very clear, however. The burden of the word of Jehovah concerning Israel. Thus declares Jehovah who stretches forth the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of reeling to all the surrounding peoples. And when what happens in siege is upon Jerusalem, it will be upon Judah as well. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone to all the peoples. All who burden themselves with her will be cut up. Indeed, all the nations of the earth will be gathered against her. Clear reference, isn't it, Ron, to what we read about in Revelation? It surely is. And here we see Jerusalem at the center. Uh, This is an awesome description of how God will make Jerusalem a cup of reeling that those who imbibe of this event, they will just be knocked off balance and it will be a burdensome stone. Yeah. Jerusalem is going to be the flashpoint and the focal point of this war and it's contested ground. The enemy wants it But let's remember the Lord's own word, Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Amen. All right, here's Witness Lee with our first fellowship today. Zechariah, as a whole book, has, number one, the first section of six chapters, and the last section of also six chapters. In between, you have two chapters, chapters seven and eight. In the first six chapters, Christ is unveiled in a very intimate way and lowly way. Christ unveiled in a way that he was wrapped up with the Persian Empire. Then in the last six chapters, you have Christ unveiled also in an intimate way, lowly way, wrapped up very much with the Roman Empire government. In the chapters 9 to 11, Christ, in his kind of revelation, he is the one sent by God, yet rejected by God's people. So he became the rejected Messiah. Then the last three chapters, 12 to 14, Christ's revelation is much more wrapped up with the last empire government. That is the Roman Empire government. In this revelation, Christ is unveiled to us as a Messiah returning back to be enthroned. This is something different. In his first coming, he was intimate. He was very dear to people, yet he was rejected. But in his second unveiling, he will be in power and enthroned to be the king, not only over just Israel, but also the entire world. 
Uh, Ron, let's talk for just a moment about the placement of Armageddon in time, what we do see clearly, although as you referenced earlier, this is a subject that is not all universally agreed upon by all Christians, certainly, but uh, uh, bring us the perspective of this ministry on this point and also the participants and a little bit of the setting and backdrop for those who may not know all that much. Well, there is a general understanding, even in secular culture, of an ultimate war, you know, a mm-hmm. final war, an apocalyptic battle. And that understanding, and with much of its imagery, uh, is indebted to Revelation 16 and these chapters from Zechariah. And the basic thought is that um, armies from different directions will converge in Israel Eventually, the real prize will be Jerusalem, that there will be the armies of Antichrist, there will be armies from other opposing nations, Mm -hmm. and the essence of the situation is not simply or will not simply be a military struggle. Satan is behind the scene, stirring up his embodiment, Antichrist, to gather his forces together. And on the human plane, those armies will be contested by others who have an interest in that region. But the real battle is between, or will be between, Satan embodied in Antichrist with his armies and God embodied in Christ with the overcomers as his army. But actually, even behind Satan is God in his sovereignty presiding over the whole situation, even using the enemy to gather a multitude of evil ones together in one place where the Lord will execute judgment and defeat the enemy decisively and establish his kingdom shortly thereafter uh, in Jerusalem. So we need to view this in both its visible and invisible aspect. The visible aspect will be the obvious, colossal military engagement with weapons of war. But we need to see the invisible scene behind this is that this is really the war of Satan against God embodied in Christ. This is what will make Armageddon the ultimate war. It's not simply that so many armies will be there, but that this will be a direct fighting of Satan against God in Christ. This is the real issue. And the word of prophecy enlightens us, and the word of prophecy comforts and encourages us as to what the outcome will be. In this case, in reading the book, it's all right even encouraged to peek at the end and see who is the victor. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Ron. In this chapter, you have the prophecy concerning Israel's destiny in the great war 
of Armageddon. This war of Armageddon is the greatest war among mankind that will terminate the human government on earth at the end of the coming great tribulation. In the short period of time that will consummate the present age. This Armageddon war will be war motivated purposely by Antichrist just to destroy Israel. The Armageddon war will be motivated by Antichrist but waged by Satan. Satan is the one that fights the war through his human followers against God with his saints, with God's saints. Satan has been exercising all his devices to get man trained to be his army. And God also has been doing a work to get his chosen ones also exercised to be his army. Eventually, at the great war of Armageddon, there will be two armies. One is the earth army, and the earth, the other is the heaven army, the heaven. The earth army is Satan's army, and the heaven army is God's army. Who is the commander of Satan's army? Antichrist. Then who is the commander of the heaven army? Christ. You see, there is Christ, there is Antichrist. Two kinds of Christ. That Christ is the embodiment of God, and this Antichrist is the embodiment of Satan. So they all will come together to fight. That is a war between earth and heaven. Second Thessalonians says that Christ will smash, will slay Antichrist by the breath of his mouth. He is breathing. It's more effective than any kind of missile. I don't know. Maybe Antichrist will shoot the missiles. I don't know. But anyhow, that is a war. On the one hand, it is divine war. On the other hand, it is devilish war, demonic war. Satan will be there fighting directly against God. Well, he punctuated that strong point by uh, striking the podium there a little bit, and I think it was fitting, even though it created kind of an odd sound for uh, our radio ears. Mm -hmm. But I really think this is an important perspective, Ron. This battle of Armageddon is not an isolated event that just happens to be occurring at the end of the age. It's really the culmination of the universal struggle that has been ongoing for at least the 6,000 years of human history, and all of history is replete with both God and Satan attracting and, in a way, equipping and training their followers to be these armies, isn't it? It is, and let's be reminded that this will take place toward the very end of three-and-a-half-year period that we designate the Great Tribulation, all manner of supernatural calamities will have been taking place. The devil, Satan, by that time, will have been cast down to the earth. He will embody himself in this world leader who will be Antichrist. He will be determined to annihilate the nation of Israel going directly against God's promise 
as well as God's warning mm. of what happens to those who bless Israel and what happens to those who curse Israel. So this will be a tremendous buildup to the climactic moment. Outwardly, Israel's situation will be hopeless. Other scriptures indicate that God's people, Israel, their only recourse will be able to pray for the Lord to open the heavens and come down. It will, humanly speaking, be beyond hope. But the Bible reveals that, according to God's sovereignty and his wisdom, all of this is orchestrated and managed by him. Now, Satan's embodiment will be there. The armies of the Antichrist will be there. So many other worldly armies will be there. The situation will be utterly hopeless for Israel. What kind of weapons these armies will have, we don't know, and actually that's not within the sphere of our interest. But I love Second Thessalonians, where we are told that the Lord will consume him, Antichrist, by the breath of his mouth and by the manifestation of his coming, of his presence. The Lord will manifest himself and just speak the word, the essence of which is breath. Mm. The impact will be total annihilation of the evil armies. Antichrist and his cohort, the false prophet, will be cast into the lake of fire, even ahead of the devil, Satan, who will then be bound for a period of time. So, this is the culmination of thousands of years of rebellion, of defiance, of lawlessness, of impudence, of pride and arrogance and independence. Now it reaches the point where a human being indwelt in some way by Satan and empowered and energized by Satan, yet capable as a leader, will lead his army into direct war with God. It seems irrational, but it will certainly be the case, and this will provide a marvelous scene for the Lord to unveil himself. And just to anticipate slightly or to refer to another matter, if I'm not anticipating, the Lord will be manifest in such a way as to destroy the enemy, and he will be manifest in such a way that the remnant of Israel, the chosen, will recognize him as the one who came the first time and was wounded in the house of his friends the one who was pierced. They will look upon him. They will recognize him as the Son of God, both as the only begotten in the Godhead, the one given that they might have eternal life, and as the firstborn son for the producing of the many sons. And this will be a tremendous turn a fountain will be opened for sin and uncleanness. The remnant of Israel will be saved. 
the Lord of hosts, the King, our Lord Jesus, will reign in Jerusalem. The saved people of Israel will be the priests. The overcomers will be the kings. And there will be a glorious manifestation of the kingdom of the heavens on the earth for a thousand years. And then other prophecies will be fulfilled and the peoples truly will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and not learn war anymore. But before that blessed time comes, there will be this ultimate war. There must be. And we must agree with God for the fulfillment of the prophetic word in its details. We should not fear it, but we should understand it in the light of God's economy, which is focused on a wonderful person, Christ, and all the events with the sweep of history are bound up with him. It is his story. He is the central figure. He is coming, but he will not come alone. And I'd like to finish my portion of the fellowship in this way. There are numerous radio programs and ministries purporting to teach Bible prophecy and to interpret world events in the light of Bible prophecy. What we are sharing here is not of that ilk. We are familiar with the prophecies. We believe them. We are watchful over the world events. But our focus is not on events. Our focus is on a wonderful person, the Christ of Zechariah, the Christ who will come as the leader of the overcoming armies of God, the Christ who will judge the living and the dead, the Christ who will reign as king in Jerusalem. Our focus is on him. This is Zechariah's focus. This is Brother Lee's focus in the ministry. It is our focus in this broadcast. We need to be exercised not to be distracted, even by the details of biblical prophecy and not by events as they are unfolding. Both the prophecies and the events should cause us to intensely focus on this wonderful person, who now indwells us as our life and our life supply, who is everything to us, who is at the right hand of God in the heavens, interceding and administrating. And when the bride is ready and the world situation has been prepared, and when Israel's situation is hopeless, and when the ultimate battle has reached its climax, he will come, but he will not come alone. May many of us and may even some of our listeners seek the Lord in such a way in the light of prophecy to be produced by the Lord as his overcomers, to be with him at that final battle and to share in his glorious victory. So many points that uh, I had jotted down that we could talk about today, but this is such a fitting point to end on. I think we just leave it here and leave... uh, and maybe the examination of some of those detailed points to our listeners who are most interested. We have the material available, but uh, and I think as Matt Miller has pointed out in a previous broadcast, 
Witness Lee liked this book a lot. He loved this book because, in his view, it revealed Christ almost more than any other book in the Old Testament. And even to see these points of interest that are referred to in Zechariah prophetically, in this context you just put them, Ron, and that is that all of this should point us and does point us to the very person himself uh, and what's available to us as his believers today and that we don't have to wait until that day to look upon him. We can look upon him each and every day and need to in our hearts. And this is a motivating word for us uh, to love him supremely. I've enjoyed this a lot. So if I praise him. Amen. Uh, if you'd like to get the printed life study or find out about more of the resource material that we have available, do call us toll free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And stay with us as we continue uh, near the end now of this life study of Zechariah, this life study that reveals Christ in so many marvelous aspects. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.